Welcome to the St. Michael Easter podcast series. My name is Bob Johnston, and I will be leading our meditation today, which includes prayers, a scripture reading, and a reflection on the reading. May you be blessed this Easter season. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. A reading from 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1-14. to 14. Now as an elder myself and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as one who shares in the glory to be revealed, I exhort the elders among you to tend the flock of God that is your charge, exercising the oversight, not under compulsion but willingly, as God would have you do it, not for the sordid gain but eagerly. Do not lord it over those in your charge, but be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will win the crown of glory that never fades away. In the same way, you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders. And all of you must clothe yourselves with humility in your dealings with one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Discipline yourselves. Keep alert. Like a roaring lion, your adversary, the devil, prowls around looking for someone to devour. Resist him, steadfast in your faith, for you know that your brothers and sisters in all the world are undergoing the same kinds of suffering. And after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, support, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Through Silvanus, whom I consider a faithful brother, I have written this short letter to encourage you and to testify that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. Your sister church in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you greetings. And so does my son Mark. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. Here ends the reading. Happy Easter. We have a living hope. We are now in the third week of Easter. This past Easter brought to mind a passage from 1 Peter chapter 1 that says, We have a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter puts that up front and then goes on to provide encouragement and instruction about living out the Christian life. Today's reading is from the final chapter, and it includes a succinct and punchy summary of the contours of living out the Christian life. For our meditation, I want to mention them, but really want to ask you to consider just one of them. The first thing he starts with is humbleness. In verse 6, he says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you in due time. Being humble is a key aspect of even being able to make room for God. It's the key to our faith. In a famous passage from the Old Testament, Micah 6, 8, says, What does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? I wonder if Peter isn't saying, Don't be so full of yourself that you are so busy telling God the way it should be that you don't see what he can do with the trials as we yield to him. The second thing he says has to do with dealing with anxiety. 
And I'm going to come back to that verse in just a moment. He goes on to a third thing, and he takes up the place of our effort in the spiritual life. In verse 8, he says, Discipline yourselves. Keep alert. Casting our cares on God does not mean that we're able to just sit back. The Christian life involves effort as endued and reliant on grace. Peter says, discipline yourself. Work at it. At a practical level, we rely on grace, but we also honor God with our best efforts. Oliver Cromwell is said to have told his troops, trust God and keep your powder dry. The next contour of the Christian life that Peter mentions will make us squirm a bit because he talks about evil. Beginning in the latter part of verse 8, he says, Like a roaring lion, your adversary the devil prowls around, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, steadfast in your faith. For you know that your brothers and sisters in all the world are undergoing the same kinds of suffering. Evil exists. If you've encountered it, you know it. It's a thing. Peter says, resist it. He says, hold on to your faith. Paul, in a similar passage in the sixth chapter of Ephesians, said to withstand the wiles of the devil by putting on the armor of God, which includes faith, salvation, truth, and the Spirit. Peter goes on, finally, to address suffering straight up and what to expect someday after going through it. Verse 10, he says, And after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, support, strengthen, and establish you. In this final big point of the passage, Peter encourages the readers with the idea that God will minister through suffering. We all face it, and God will restore, support, strengthen, and establish us. I want to go back for a moment to verse 7 that I went over a minute ago. Verse 7 says, Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Some time ago, I went through a dark place, and a friend of mine who wanted to make sure I did not get depressed sent me an article. It was entitled, Something Like 10 Natural Depression Treatments. It included what you might expect for many of them, good food and sleep and exercise, routines, goals, those kinds of things. But it had this one hard one. It said, challenge negative thoughts, as if that was something easily done. But apparently it's something that can be done, and Scripture would seem to say we can influence that thought life. Peter's admonition in verse 7 says, Cast all your anxiety on Jesus. He wants us to lean into our ability to control it. Jesus, in his own words, in Matthew 6, says, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink, or about your body. It's an affirmative mental step when he says, don't worry. Paul does a similar thing in the fourth chapter of Philippians. He says, Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul seems to offer a way to control the negative thoughts of worry and anxiety. He says, Replace it with prayer and supplication and with thanksgiving. That's why I think that the church-wide sermon series that we did this past fall on gratitude and on Thanksgiving was such good grounding for our congregation as we headed into our current situation. 
the more we can not only just pray and come with our supplications, but come with thanksgivings, come with grateful hearts, it'll help us to let go of anxiety and replace it with a Christ-centered focus on the gratefulness we have for so many things. Perhaps more than ever, we need to hear that core aspect of living out the Christian life from 1 Peter. Cast your anxieties on him. Don't worry. Don't fret. May God bless us as we continue leaning into our living hope. Amen. Let us say together the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. O God, the King Eternal, whose light divides the day from the night and turns the shadow of death into the morning, drive far from us all wrong desires. Incline our hearts to keep your law and guide our feet into the way of peace, that having done your will with cheerfulness during the day, we may, when night comes, rejoice to give you thanks. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord.